All right, guys, uh, we're going to be looking at uh, the question on how to be rich toward God this morning. And uh, I want us to look, uh, we're going to be looking out of uh, Luke uh, chapter 12. We're going to start there. And then we're going to see, uh, because this guy's uh, story so parallels uh, the wisest man uh, in the earth, uh, Solomon's story. So we're going to look a little bit at what Solomon had to say about this as well. Uh, someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. And Jesus replied, Man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? And then he said to them, Watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life, and listen to this, does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. So if it doesn't consist in the abundance of his possessions, or his possessions, what does a man's life really consist of? We'll read on. And he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man produced a, a good crop, and he thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. And then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns, and I'll build bigger ones. And I will store all my grain and my goods, and I will say to myself, uh, some translations, and I will say to my soul, you ever talk to your soul? I mean, how do you start that? What up, soul? You know, I mean, I, how do I just like, okay, all right. CP, that, you know, when you see people talking like that to themselves, we always think, this guy's gone off the deep end, hadn't he? He's talking to himself. But this guy was talking to himself, and he says, I will say to myself, or I will say to my soul, you have plenty of goods laid up, or good things laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded of you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? And this is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself. Now listen to this, but is not rich toward God. So there's nothing wrong with having a barn. There's nothing wrong with having a big barn. But he's saying that, you know, if that's all you have in life, if, if, if a big barn and stuff is all that you have in life, then you're missing life. And he says that this is how it will be that with anyone that stores up things for himself, but is not rich toward God. And that's what I want to talk about this morning. I'm going to talk about how we can be rich uh, toward God. And I'm going to talk about, first of all, if you're not rich toward God, what are the things that keep you from becoming rich toward God? So, we're going to uh, look back, if you got your Bible, or you want to just use the sermon notes, or uh, if you don't care to use either one of those, you just want to watch the overhead, that's fine. But I, wanna, I want us to look at uh, what Solomon says about this, because Solomon's life is a lot like this guy's life. He says that, um, I also tried to find the meaning uh, of life by building huge homes for myself and by planting beautiful vineyards. And I made gardens and parks, filling them with all kind of fruit and trees. I built reservoirs to collect water to irrigate my many flourishing groves. I bought slaves, both men and women. Others were born into my household. I owned large herds and flocks, more than any of the kings who had lived in Jerusalem before me. I collected great sums of silver and gold, the treasure of many kings and provinces. I hired wonderful singers both men and women, uh, and had many beautiful concubines. I had everything a man could desire. 
So I became greater than all who had lived in Jerusalem before me, and my wisdom never failed me. Anything I wanted, I would take. I denied myself no pleasure. This guy had money, and he knew how to spend it. I even found great pleasure in working hard, a reward of all my labors. But as I looked at everything I had worked so hard to accomplish, it was all so meaningless, like the chasing of the wind. I mean, this guy has it all. He, I mean, he is, he is, he's put it all together. He's got it all. He has got what many of us here, maybe in this room this morning or after, and then we drop down to verse 17, and he says, And so I came to hate life because everything done here under the sun is so troubling. Everything is meaningless like the chasing of the wind. I hated life. I hate life. Now, some of you may be here this morning saying the same thing. I hate life. I hate my life. I just hate life. But I notice one thing about people that hate life. They have a pretty good way of disguising it. I mean, they can put on the biggest smile, uh, and you would never know that they really hate life. It seems like they're going through life like everything is okay. But he says, and notice one of the things that he says here, uh, and, and it's kind of one of the themes in this book, he says, everything under the sun. He keeps repeating that. And we'll read it time and, and time again. Uh, and I want you to, you know, just kind of underline it or mark it because it's one of the, uh, the thoughts and the themes that uh, we, as we go through this message today, we're going to come back to. Solomon only focuses on things that are under the sun. He says that his life is uh, grievous, it's oppressive, it's meaningless. And, you know, if, if in this life, if this life is your only hope, you're going to feel the same way about life. I mean, you're going to feel that, you know, that it's meaningless. I hate life. You know, it's just like there's nothing here that really satisfied me, satisfies me. I think it was C.S. Lewis that said that, you know, if you can't be satisfied, if the things of this life cannot satisfy your soul, maybe it means that your soul was meant for something different than this life like the afterlife, or like eternity. He goes on to say that everything is meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher, completely meaningless. And so we find that if we want to be rich or we can't be rich toward God, one of the things that we've brought into our life are meaningless things. You know, we have expectations about how things are going to turn out, and then all of a sudden they didn't turn out the way that we thought, and then life becomes disappointing to us, I mean, we're, we, we get, you know, and some of you may have done that. You know, we started out with, uh, uh, you know, this Thanksgiving week, but before Thanksgiving, there were people lined up in tents uh, in front of Best Buy or in front of Walmart. They were there days on end waiting to get that perfect gift at that perfect price. And, you know, they hold on to that until Christmas, and they give it to their kids, and in three minutes... The kids have opened up the present. They've set the present aside. They're, pre they're playing in the box that the present came in after all of that work that you did, all of your toil, and you're thinking, why did I even do this? Or then the toy gets broken, and it's, you know, it's like disappointing. It's meaningless, and we do it every year. But, you know, God also points out something in this book in chapter 3. And when Solomon talks about all the things under the sun that are grievous, that are meaningless to him, you know, he points out something through the Holy Spirit, points it out through Solomon. He says in chapter 3, verse 11, 
that God has planted eternity in our hearts. What does that mean? It means that while we go through life and we get busy and we get preoccupied in life, trying to make lots of money, have big houses and all of these things, and this is all of our focus, occasionally we'll come back and we will think about eternity. We'll read about someone that died, a close one, loved one of ours that died, and sometimes some of the first thoughts that we have when you hear about someone that dies, you think, where are they now? Where are they right this minute? I mean, we believe in heaven and we believe in hell, but did they make it? You know, have you ever been to a funeral where the pastor just rips that person that's in the casket? No, they're all good people. I mean, every one of them. It's just like going to the prison and everybody in there is innocent. I mean, there's, I've never been, I, I used to do jail ministry. I've never talked to one guilty person. I mean, they were all innocent, framed. And, and, you know, and when we go to funerals, we think about, you know, they're all good people. I've never talked to, I've been to a funeral where, where the pastor said, you know what, I'm sure that this guy is in eternity today. He is in eternal flames of fire. He's burning away. Right now he's in, you know, uh, you know in, in uh, gnashing of teeth and screaming and darkness. You know, you never hear that. But, you know, the Bible does say that there is a place like that. There's a place of darkness. There's a place of separation for those that refuse God. The Bible said that, that, that there is a place like that. And we think about it from time to time to time because God has planted. He has set eternity in our hearts. And every once in a while, our heart will go and think about that place. But so Solomon, or the, the word goes on to say, Paul says in the, in the book of Colossians, he says that, you know, if you set your mind on the things under the sun, life will be meaningless. You'll have no real purpose or meaning, meaningness in, in life. And uh, Paul says, but if you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on the things above. On the things above the sun, on heavenly things, where Christ sits, he says. He's seated on the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above and not on these earthly things. There's a weariness. Not only is life, well, Solomon talks about life being uh, uh, meaningless, he talks about this weariness in life. Now notice what he says. He says the sun rises and the sun sets and hurries back to where it rises and the wind blows to the south and turns to the north and round and round it goes, ever returning on its course. All streams flow into the sea, yet the sea is never full. To the place the streams come from, there they return again. All things are wearisome. And what he's saying is that it's just like the same old, same old. Monday, go to work. Monday, Tuesday, work. Thursday, Friday, work. Saturday, come home, do chores. Uh, Sunday, get up, go to church, have lunch, go home, watch the Cowboys lose. And you get up and you start all over again. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. You know, you work those five days. And then Saturday, you do the work. You know, you go to church on Sunday. You get up, you have lunch. You go home and watch the Cowboys lose again. It's so wearisome. I mean, it's the same old thing week after week. We talk about new coaches and new quarterbacks. And, oh, it is life is grievous. If you're a Cowboy fan. And maybe a Detroit Lion fan too. But, you know, he's saying, Solomon is saying, it's the same thing over and over again. And life is just weary. And then we read in the Proverbs that, uh, that like cold water to a weary soul is good news 
from a distant land. You know, there are those words. There are times, you know, when we can share those words. And, you know, this happened to me. Uh, you know, well, but first, let me tell you this other story. I heard the story about the, the preacher, you know, and uh, when I read this, I thought, no wonder people don't like to come to church. But, you know, there's a preacher that was dying, and he called for these two members of his congregation, and, and uh, you know, he, he was at his house, and he knew that his time was coming quick, and he called these two guys, and they're sitting there in the room, and they're wondering why he's called them. They were never particularly good friends of his. That, in fact, he always kind of pointed them out and pointed out their sin and, you know, how that they were worthless sometimes. And, you know, they're looking at each other, and, you know, they're thinking, you know, I mean, why are we here? Why are we here? And finally they look at the guy, and they said, you know, why are we here? And he's just kind of like staring up to heaven, just kind of like waiting to go. And he looks down at them, and he says, you know, I read in the Bible that Jesus died between two thieves, and I want to go the same way. <laughs> so, you know, we, when we come to church, we want to hear good words. We want to hear positive words. We want to come, walk out of this place feeling like, uh, you know, that uh, the message has benefited us. I was at this garage this last week. I was getting my oil changed, and um, this guy recognized me, you know, comes up, Pastor Ron, how are things going? And I don't know, in between the oil change, you know, he says to me, he just starts sharing some of his life with me and some of the stuff that was going on in, in his life and, uh, you know, just with his family. And, uh, you know, and he just, he just told me about something that had really hurt him, that, uh, but now they were just kind of moving through it. And I just, I told him, you know, that sometimes when we deal with sin in our life, when we deal with sin, the Scripture says that, you know, that expose these hidden works of darkness. Don't let the enemy have a foothold in your life. You know, just bring it to the light. And sometimes, you know, that the way that we do that, uh, we confess our sins. You know, this is one of my favorite ver verses from James, that if we confess our sins one to another, um, that uh, confess your faults or your sins one to another and pray for one another that you'll be healed. Now, we don't confess our sins one to another so that we'll be forgiven of our sins, but there's a healing process that comes by getting that thing out. And I you know, come to you and come to Richard, and I say, Richard, you know, I'm really dealing with this right now. I'm struggling. I got anger, or I've got lust in my heart right now, or I'm bitter toward this person. I've got unforgiveness. I can't just quite let it go, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm getting him to pray for me, um, you know, and then all of a sudden, it, you know, it just, you know, I start getting better, and so as I was sharing this with this guy, he was telling me, he says, you know, that's really encouraging to me. He says that, you know, I've shared this story with several other people, and they have said, oh, man, I feel so sorry for you. How could that happen to you? You know, uh, you must be the most miserable man in the world right now with all of this going on. And, you know, he was just saying, you know, you've really encouraged me through this. Now, I didn't know that I was, I didn't realize I was doing that at the time. And I just want to encourage you that, like the scripture says, that... Uh, that our words can be refreshing. Look at it again. Like cold water to a weary soul um, is good news from a distant land. And I want to encourage you as you walk out of this place today, you're going to run into those that in this time of year, I don't know what it is about this time of year. I mean, some people are really thankful. Some people are really uh, grateful this time of year. But some, for some, this time of year is a very gloomy time of year. It's a hard time of year. I mean, they are remembering maybe childhood memories that weren't so good about 
Thanksgiving and Christmas or uh, just events that happened in their life. I'm not sure why it is, but I do know this, that God has given us a word of hope and a word of encouragement. So I want to just encourage you that as you leave this place today, be that, uh, that, uh, that cup of cold water to the weary, thirsty soul. Another thing that uh, keeps us from, uh, you know, experiencing uh, rich, being rich toward God, we talked about weariness and um, we've talked about uh, being weary and, and uh, meaning, meaningless life. Uh, now I want to talk about unfulfilled life. Now notice what Solomon says here in Ecclesiastes 1.8. He says, everything is wearisome beyond description. No matter how much we see, uh, we're never satisfied. Uh, no matter how much we hear, we're not content. Here, uh, history merely repeats itself. It has all been done before. And here's that, that phrase again. Nothing under the sun is truly new. Nothing under the sun. And there's that, that, that phrase again. Uh, so we live in this world, guys. You know, I mean, we just come through the elections. Um, you, know, you know what your 401k looks like right now. We, you know, we've seen stock market crashes. Um, we've got, we're talking on the brink of, you know, we look at Israel and all, Syria and Egypt and all of those nations. It seems like the world is bitter toward one another. The world is at near war. And um, um, maybe your marriage isn't so good right now. Maybe there's relationships in your life. Maybe you hate your job right now. You know, I, I bet some of you are glad you're saying right now, I'm really glad I came to church. You know, you're cheering me up with all this good news. But, you know, I mean, Solomon's the same way. You know, he's just like, all of this is there. All of this stuff is under the sun. And if we focus on these things, if that is your focus, and if that is your life, you know, you will, you will find life will wear you out. It will become wearisome. Uh, it will become unfulfilling and it will become meaningless. All of these things, it's just like the pressures of life. So you've got to look. If you want to be rich toward God, you've got to look beyond the things that are under the sun, how to become rich toward God. Well, the first thing I want to share with you is, well, let me back up and read that last scripture because I don't want to leave that out. Uh, we talk about Solomon and he was the wisest man in the world. And, you know, after I read this, I'm thinking, was he really? It says, as Solomon grew old, his wives, remember he had 300 wives and 700 concubines. And if you do the math on that, it's about three years in between, okay? Um, some of you will get that. Um, As Solomon grew old, his wives turned his heart after other gods. His heart was not fully devoted to the Lord his God as the heart of David his father had been. His father had been. His, his heart grew cold. It says that his wives turned his heart. And I just want to ask you this morning, I mean, there are a lot of things in this world that can turn our heart away from God. Is there something in your life right now that's turning your heart away from God? And if there is, you just need to deal with that. I, we don't even know that Solomon repented of that. I mean, there's no indication that Solomon repented and asked God to forgive him uh, of the sin that he had committed. But you are here, and today is a new day, and you have a new opportunity today, and I would just share with you, is there something in your life this morning that's turning your heart away from God? And if there is, you can just simply deal with it and just say, God, I know this is sin. I'm going to confess it as sin before you. I'm going to ask that you forgive me. And, Lord, I'm going to ask that you would turn my heart back toward you. It's as simple as that. So how do we be rich toward God? Um, 
we pray. The first thing that we want to do is pray. Now notice this from Psalm uh, 112. It says, surely, talking about a righteous man, uh, he will never be shaken. A righteous man will be remembered forever. He will have no fear. Listen to this. He will have no fear of bad news. His heart is steadfast, trusting in the Lord. His heart is secure. He will have no fear in the end, and he will look in triumph on his foes. I want to just tell you that, have you ever experienced that? Uh, I mean, a bad, a bad phone call, bad letter, something comes, and it's just like, you know, immediately it's just like, you know, it's just like a punch in the gut. Uh, it, it's just like, you know, I don't know if I can stand this or not. I don't know if I'm going to be able to get through this or not. And then all of a sudden, after the initial shock, you know, then all of a sudden you start to just like come to your senses. You start to pray, God, I'm, this is a problem. It's bigger than I am. But Lord, I know it's not bigger than you are. I'm asking you to come right now, God. You know my, you know my, my need. I'm in a great need right now. Listen to what David says. He says in uh, Proverbs 15, the Lord is far from the wicked, but he hears the prayer of the righteous. That's why we can have confidence in God's word. You know, I don't know if you've ever noticed or not, but David is much like, just, just like we are here today in this room. He starts out a lot of those psalms. He'll start out with, why? Why, God? Why is this happening to me? Or what, God? What's going on, God? Uh, where or when, God? When are you going to deliver me? When are you going to show up? And so he starts out, he starts out like that, you know, and then he, he starts dealing with his, you know, talking about his enemies, how, you know, how his enemies are great. They're like the multitudes. He says, God, break out their teeth. You know, I mean, is that, we don't pray like that typically for our enemies. I hope not. Uh, but he just, you know, and then by the time he finishes, you know, it, by the time he, you know, uh, you know, wants God to just con completely annihilate and destroy his enemies, then he's just kind of like, he, you know, he comes back to this place where, I'm blessing you, God. I'm thanking you. You're so faithful. You're so wonderful. My hope is in you. My steadfast love is, is on you, Lord God, that you're going to lift me to a place that I know not of. You're going to bring me to a higher place. You're going to get me out of this muck and mire. You're going to lift me to the rock. You're going to bring me to the rock that's higher than I am. You know, he just goes on and on. He starts out kind of in a panic, and then he starts out, you know, he's, he's kind of frustrated and mad at his enemies and, you know, wants the fleas for a thousand camels to dwell in their beards. And, you know, he just like, he's on them. He's like, I'm on my enemies. I am mad at them, God. I want you to deal with them. And then there's his heart kind of softens, and, you know, he just kind of gets back focused to, I love you, God. You've been so good to me. All right. So we pray. That's, a, you know, that's how we get rich toward God. The next thing we do is that we need to serve. Um, you know, we're so earthly minded. We're so, you know, uh, we're, we find life meaningless and we uh, find life unfulfilling because we're so focused on this world and this earth right now. But when we start focusing on heavenly things, I tell you what, you know, I'm, I'm looking and I see Steve back there and Beverly and I see some of uh, you others that, you know, help with the uh, homeless ministry and you know, I, I, I was there this last, uh, last time, and, uh, you know, I, I just thought, I saw greater joy on the people that, was, that were from the light. I saw, you know, you know, just a glow on their countenance. I saw happy faces, smiling faces, you know. And I, you know, there was a greater joy from those that were serving and giving than there was from those that were receiving. Did I tell you that I ran into one of the guys after that? Did I tell that story last week? You know, one of the guys at the homeless? Well, you know, I, 
it was Monday. It was the following Monday. I couldn't have told it to you. Um, I was with Vernon. We were going to breakfast, and we were over at Tortilla Flats, which is just down the street from where we serve the, the homeless. And one of the guys from the homeless, you know, this guy, I think his name is Stephen, and he walks up to me. He didn't recognize me, but I recognized him. And he saw, hey, hey, bro, do you know that the Bible says that if your brother is hungry, you should feed him? I'm like, okay, yeah, I know that. I'm a pastor. I know that. And I said, but did you know that the Bible also says that if a man doesn't work, he shouldn't eat? And he's all, really, does it say that? Show me, show me. And so I've got my phone, and I'd been having trouble with my, my Bible program on my phone, and I'm trying to show him. And it's like my phone is frozen. It's like it just like I can't, I can't find it. I can't open the Bible program on my phone. I thought, just feed the guy. Just take him in and feed him. So we went into Tortilla Flats and... Uh, the, I know the uh, manager there, and I just paid for the guy's food, and he's all, are you going to stay with him? Are you going to stay with him? Like, this guy was going to cause some problems or something, and I'm like, no, I'm not going to stay with him, but uh, he'll be fine, and I'm sure that he was, but but uh, anyway, it's, it's like, uh, you know, we need to learn how to serve. You know, the whole point of that is that you know, if you're not serving, there's so many places that you could serve. I mean, we need people serving in the nursery right now, in our children's ministry right now. Uh, I mean, just helping, ministry, counseling. I mean, there's a thousand places that you can serve. And, you know, if you really want to be rich toward God and you want to have that, just that satisfaction in your soul that, you know, that you were meant for more than this. And this, and I'm the, the this that I'm talking about is what you're doing in life right now. I mean, you're just like, you know, you're the Monday through Friday work, Saturday chores and running errands, Sunday go to church. I won't go into the part about the cowboys again, but, you know, it's just that life is routine and it's meaningless and it's wearing you out. And, you know, if you want to be rich toward God, not only pray and seek God's face, but serve God. Notice what the scripture says. We're about to wrap this up. No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And if money is your chief desire, if you're just like kind of like the rich man, if you're not, if you're not going to be, if you're going to have to, you know, devote your entire life to making money and building bigger barns, you're going to find life not fulfilling and you're going to find a lot of frustrations in life. But when you start serving God, and I'm, I'm not talking about God on the back burner and not just God a couple of hours on Sunday, I'm just talking about living your life for Christ. I love what David says a couple of places. You can see why this guy is the man after God's own heart. It says that he wakes up one morning and it's just like his prayer is like, Lord, who can I show kindness to today? Who can I show kindness to? And, and so, and the Lord, I believe, leads and guides him and directs him. In the very next chapter, it starts out the same way. He says, Lord, who can I show kindness to today? I want that to be my heart. I want that to be your heart as well, okay? Who can I show kindness to today? And then we read in Matthew chapter 20, verse 28, that the Son of Man, Jesus, did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many, for many. The third thing that I want us to see is that in our giving, you know, we can be rich toward God in our giving. And I'm not just talking about, I'm not, I'm, I'm not talking at all about tithes and offerings. I'm, you know, I mean, that's not giving. You're, not, you're just giving God back what he's already giving, given you. So that's not what I'm talking about. 
But First uh, Corinthians, and Paul is talking about taking up an offering for the poor. And uh, he says, each man should give what he's decided to in his heart, uh, not reluctantly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver. And when you give, you know, someone said you're never more like God than when you give. And that famous scripture, John 3.16, says that for God so loved the world that he gave. He gave. And, you know, if you develop that attitude, that heart, that I want to give, you know, whatever it is. You know, I tell people, if you don't have money, let me tell you what I know that you do have. You got stuff. And just go home and get some of your stuff and give it to somebody that needs it. You got stuff that you will never use. You, I got stuff that I'll never use. I got stuff that, you know, uh, any of you moved lately? Anybody moved lately? Some, some of you have. Okay. You got stuff... <laughs> You got stuff in your garage or in your house right now that you haven't even unpacked. That's how you can know if you don't need it. If it's, un, if it's not unpacked, if it's still in boxes, you're not using it. Give that stuff away. Give it away. Give it to somebody. Bless them with it, and you'll be blessed in return. God loves a cheerful giver. Now, notice what he says here. He says in Proverbs eleven twenty five, A generous man will prosper. He who refuses others will himself, or excuse me, he who refreshes others uh, will himself be refreshed. A generous man will prosper. Now notice Proverbs says that a generous man himself will be blessed for he shares his food with the poor. You've got to live. There's, you know, the most successful people in this room, most successful people in the world are those that live with an eternal perspective. It's not just the here and now. I mean, Solomon was frustrated because of all of the things under the sun. But when we look beyond the sun and get that eternal perspective, then your life will have meaning and purpose. Finally, we read, oh, I love this uh, passage of Scripture from Daniel. I've shared it with you a couple of times the last few months. But remember when the king uh, had that dream and Daniel came and interpreted the dream for him, and Daniel's like, oh, my God. He's like, King, this meant, let this dream be for your enemies, not for you. And then Daniel tries to give him some advice in uh, chapter 4, verse 37. He says, so, King, take my advice. Make a clean break from your sin and start living for others. That's, that's that eternal perspective. Quit your wicked life and look after the needs of the down and out, and then you will continue to have a good life. And, uh, of course, we know that the, the king neglected that advice, and a year later, he's walking along the uh, balcony, looking at all the things that he had done, admiring all the works of his hand, and it says that uh, he lost his mind. Uh, he lived out in the wilderness like a wild beast, uh, even grew claws and feathers, uh, you know, like uh, whatever that was from his body. And seven years later, he comes back to his senses and acknowledges that there is a God in heaven. And uh, he is, his kingdom, his mind is restored, his kingdom is restored. Um, but Daniel's given him some great advice. Look after the needs of others. And then finally, uh, this, uh, this thought about being rich toward God um, is sharing Christ. And I just have a couple of scriptures I want to share with you, and then we'll, we'll pray and uh, we'll be released. Therefore, do not lose heart. I mean, I'm, I'm just thinking about, you know, all that Solomon had and comparing his life to Paul who wrote this. 
And Paul was, you know, I mean, we see Paul in prison. Uh, you know, sometimes he, you know, he, there was a real want and a need in his life. Uh, and yet, you know, every one of those prison epistles start out with, you know, uh, grace and peace to you. Paul is never looking at himself or his own life. He's looking at uh, the life and the needs of others. Um, and he goes on and he starts talking about, he says, Therefore do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away. Man, I can get a big amen on that. Just look at us. He says, uh, Yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day. And then he talks about, he says, For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal uh, glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes on, uh, on what is seen, or we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. And what he's simply saying is that we're not looking at the things under the sun. We're looking at the things beyond the sun. We're not looking at, he goes on to say, we're not looking at the temporary, but we're looking at the eternal. Now he talks about that. I want to just point this out. He talks about his light and uh, momentary troubles. You know, listen to some of his light and momentary troubles. Five times, the Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes. You know, it was just one of those uh, 39 lashes that the religious leaders that gave Jesus prior to his crucifixion. He almost died from being beat to death. And Paul is saying, I got that five times. He's talking about light and momentary uh, troubles and problems. You know, I wouldn't call that light. I call that heavy and long-enduring troubles in his life. But he's got this incredible attitude. He goes on, three times I was beaten with a rod. Once I was stoned. Now, from you drug addicts out there, I know that what you're thinking right now, that at least he received a little relief when he was stoned, but that's not what he's talking about. With rocks, he was stoned, and three times he was shipwrecked. Once in, um, he spent a whole night and day adrift at the, in the sea, like a little cork just kind of bobbing away in the ocean, and he's talking about how this great joy that he has. For me, he goes on to say, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. You know, uh, Paul, his theme and his goal was to know him and to make him known. You know, that should be our goal in life too, to know him and to make him known. Now, when we talk about sharing Christ, guys, I just want to close on this because I know this is where a lot of you just kind of bottleneck up. You freeze up right here because you're thinking, I don't know enough of the word. I'm not a good preacher. I'm not good with my words. You know, Moses tried that. It didn't work for him. It's not going to work for you either. Uh, you know, so God expects us. But what I like about Paul, and I want you to think about this. You know, it says that, you know, from the day that this guy was saved, after, you know, he, he's blinded for three days, but it says immediately Paul started preaching Jesus. And, you know, the way that he did it is which I, what I really love. He's not out quoting scriptures. He's not out saying, well, I'm going to give you a, a chapter and a verse. He just simply starts saying, I was on the road to Damascus and a great light appeared to me and I heard a voice and God began to say this to me and how his life was changed now all of you could say that I was on the road to ruin I was on the road to pornography I was on the road to drugs and alcohol I was on the road to unforgiveness and bitterness, and God showed up and began to do this in my life. Now, I want you to stand, and we're going to close in prayer. But 
I just want you to remember those words of Paul. When he was on the road to Damascus, God showed up in his life, and that's the story that he began to tell. All of you have a story. You don't have to know Bible. I mean, it's important for us to know the Word of God. I'm not sliding that at all. But all of us have a story. I can't tell your story, and you can't tell my story. But God has done a great work in your life. You need to tell someone about it.